You're listening to Identity Theft by Alana Terry, narrated by Becky Downey, and sponsored by the award-winning Kennedy Stern Christian Suspense series. Visit alanaterry.com slash unabridged to get the first three-book bundle in the Kennedy Stern Christian Suspense series today. And now, enjoy today's episode of Unabridged, the Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. Chapter 7 She woke up the next morning with at least four new bites. One was on her ankle, the most annoying spot of all. It was a little after eight, and she wondered if she'd be lucky enough to go back to sleep. She was still exhausted. She had lain awake half the night, listening to the bugs and trying to organize her thoughts. God might have plans for her future, like Raphael's verse suggested, but it had taken her until two in the morning to come up with any plans for herself. She just hoped she wouldn't regret them. She flipped on her phone. There was already a text message from Raphael. Breakfast this morning? She wasn't going to think about the shock of seeing him again. She wasn't going to think about the fire that burned in her gut when they had kissed after so many years. Gotta do something first, she replied. Lunch instead? Today might be the hardest day of her life. As she dressed, she thought about calling Curtis beforehand, warn him she was coming. But she couldn't bring herself to do it. If she got him on the phone, the temptation would be too strong to tell him everything she needed to say without looking at him. She couldn't do that to him. She had made up her mind and had the bags under her eyes to prove it. She would never forgive herself if she took the easy way out now. It took 15 minutes to walk to Curtis's house, which helped clear her mind. Her heart pounded faster than normal by the time she arrived, but her limbs weren't as jittery as when she first started out. A slight breeze had kept most of the mosquitoes at bay. When she had made up her mind last night, she pictured walking to Curtis's in a rainstorm or getting swarmed by a hundred bugs at once, but the trip itself had been surprisingly calming. She knocked on the door, feeling more like Lacey and less like Joe than she had in years. Lacey wasn't afraid of change. Lacey wasn't afraid to tackle life head-on, no matter what the cost. The only thing Lacey feared was a cage, a cage that after today would no longer confine her. Madeline answered the door, still in her footy pajamas. Miss Joe! Her excited squeal sent a pang of regret through Lacey's heart. What had she expected? She knew how hard this would be. It didn't matter, though, she reminded herself. It had to be done. Hi, sweetie. Lacey pried Madeline off her leg. Can you tell your daddy I'm here? Madeline scurried away, yelling, and Lacey stepped in and shut the door to keep the bugs out. Curtis came out a moment later in flannel lounge pants and a white undershirt, drying his hair with a towel. Hi, Joe. She couldn't tell from his voice if he was happy to see her or not, but she couldn't focus on that. She would say what she came here to say, and that would be all. She was about to apologize for stopping by unannounced, but that was Joe talking, Joe, the demure daycare worker who had never really existed. She glanced around the house, at the moose antlers on the wall, the plastic pink princess toys strewn across the floor. 
She hadn't admitted until now how much she would miss all this. I came here to talk to you. Do you have a minute? He looked at her quizzically before leaning down to Madeline. Why don't you grab a Pop-Tart and run downstairs to watch some cartoons? I'll make us pancakes in a little bit. Is Miss Joe eating with us too? She asked. I don't know. Curtis avoided meeting Lacey's eyes as Madeline skipped downstairs. He pointed to the couch. Have a seat. He took the lounge chair opposite her. Lacey had already decided not to waste time on chit-chat. What was the point? I'm heading to Anchorage. I came to say goodbye. His expression didn't change. Where was the kindness, the compassion she had grown to expect from him? She rushed to fill the silence. It doesn't have anything to do with you. I want you to know that. You're a, well, you're an amazing guy, and I'm really thankful I got to know you. She couldn't read him. Was he angry? I just, well, I'm leaving, and I didn't want it to come across like I was running away or anything. Who was she fooling? That's exactly what she was doing. No, that wasn't it either. She was embracing her own life for a change, making her own plans. Curtis continued to stare. Why don't you say something, she finally asked. When are you leaving? Today, as soon as I get packed. It was Raphael, wasn't it? His voice was so soft, she leaned forward to make sure she heard him. At your apartment last night. Ra- The word caught in her throat. My apartment? I went back, you know. Went back to tell you I didn't mean it. Went back to tell you that even though the nice guy thing to do is wait until you're good and ready... The truth is, I'm dying inside. I want to be with you. I know last night I said I would wait because I want your whole heart. But it was a lie. I said that for you because I thought you needed space to sort your life out. But I want you now. I want you here with me, wearing my ring, using my name, raising my daughter with me. I came last night to tell you I couldn't stand the thought of waiting anymore. It was killing me. That's when I saw him leave your place. Her stomach dropped. It wasn't what you're thinking. It wasn't... She stopped short at the memory of Raphael's kiss. She couldn't lie anymore. It was Raphael. You're right about that. But it's not like I was seeing you both at the same time. Until yesterday, I thought he was dead. In witness protection, you mean. The words came out flat. Nervous energy raced up Lacey's spine. What are you talking about? Curtis let out his breath. I'm a simple guy, Joe, but I'm not stupid. I know what happened to you. What? She felt like a parrot with a one-word vocabulary. Listen, you told me about Raphael. You told me he was killed in a car accident. You gave me the name of your foster parents. You think I couldn't figure it out? But... I never told you where I lived. No, you did the smart thing and kept that a secret from me. But how many Carls do you think there are who take in foster kids and pastor a church and are married to a woman named Sandy? She didn't know what to say. She had never heard him speak like this. Are you angry? Angry? He raised his voice. Jeez, 
Do you think that little of me? Of course you had to lie to me. Of course you had to keep the past tucked away. If I were mad about something like that, then why are you yelling? He paused to take a breath. I didn't mean to, but you can't understand that I'm on your team here. I've known about this for weeks. Want to know when I put it all together? When I tried to find Carl so I could ask him for your hand in marriage, and I didn't find a Pastor Carl and Sandy in Michigan where I was looking, but I found them in Massachusetts. So I called, asked if he had a foster daughter named Joe. He said he and his wife had a lot of foster kids over the years, but nobody by that name. I said she moved to Alaska four years ago. He turned evasive and finally hung up. You think after a decade as a trooper I can't smell suspicious? So I started searching more, looking up Raphael, trying to figure out how he died. And guess what? He wasn't alone in the car. There was a girl there, a girl your age who testified in court and then disappeared. You think I can't put things together? So then I start to think, the girl got put in witness protection. What about the boy? What if his death's just a cover-up too? And then I realize why you're having a harder time moving on than I did when Renee passed. You're holding on to hope that he's still out there, that maybe one day you'll find each other, live out your happily ever after. I'm not going to Anchorage with him, Lacey interrupted. With Raphael, I'm not... She paused so she wouldn't fumble over her words. I'm not choosing Raphael over you. It's been four years... Do you know how weird that is? He's been going to my dad's church. He's all religious now. Do you think I'm just going to throw away this life to be with someone I hardly know anymore? Then why Anchorage? Why so fast? I need to get out of here. I need time to think, decide if I even want to keep living as Joe anymore. Her voice caught. And I can't make a decision like that while you're here being so nice and caring and understanding. And I can't do it with him spouting off Bible verses and talking about how it's some big miracle we found each other. Curtis frowned. But don't you find it just a tad suspicious that after four years, you just randomly bump into him in Glen Allen of all places? Lacey sat up in her seat. I told you I'm not leaving with him. I need time to think, and I can't do that if both of you are... Her phone beeped. Probably another text from Raphael. She ignored it. I can't do that if both of you are trying to pressure me. Curtis relaxed in his chair. So you're going to Anchorage to take a little time to figure things out. Is that it? That's what I've been trying to tell you. And where does that leave me? What about this Raphael guy? I already said I don't know. I can't be expected to make any decisions like this until I know more what I want. At this point, I'm thinking of just flying back to Boston and living my old life again. You can't do that. It wouldn't be safe. That's what you're telling me. But how am I supposed to know until I get a little breathing room and figure things out for myself? He sighed. All right. I'm not going to try to stop you. She eyed him quizzically. You angry? He shook his head, but remained quiet. You understand why I couldn't tell you the truth? Of course, I'm a trooper, remember? She stood up. 
You'll say goodbye to Madeline for me, right? If that's what you want. He sighed. Do you need a ride to town, or is he taking you? I'm driving myself. He raised an eyebrow. Is your check oil light still blinking? Only sometimes, she lied. She had forgotten all about that. Why don't you let me at least change it before you go? She stared at the door. I'm sure I'll make it just fine. It's a four-hour trip, Joe. I know, I'll be okay. Why couldn't he understand? Didn't he realize she couldn't keep accepting his help whenever a problem came up? Didn't he realize this move was something she had to do on her own? She took a few steps toward the entryway, but stopped and turned around. I'm sorry about everything. He avoided her eyes. Me too. She couldn't leave him like this. She inhaled deeply. If I was Joe, you know I would have said yes yesterday and meant it. Yeah, I know. He didn't stand up to see her out. As she passed the stairs to the basement, she heard the soundtrack to Madeline's princess movie playing softly. She paused for just a moment to listen and then opened the door and let herself out. You've been listening to Identity Theft by Alana Terry. Today's episode of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast is sponsored by the Kennedy Stern Christian Suspense Series. Current Audible listeners can get the first three books for just one credit. New subscribers can dive into this best-selling series free with your Audible trial. Visit alanaterry.com slash unabridged to download the Kennedy Stern Christian Suspense audiobooks today. Just be prepared to stay up late.